Hi there. Welcome again to Pulsing Black Podcast. I am your host, Christine Mwangi, and today I am so excited. I am joined by Yolanda Lavender and Myra Mimo, two beautiful Black songstresses who we will get to learn about today and hear more about the work they're doing, their life journeys, and how their identities of Blackness have contributed to their work and where they are now. So without further ado, Yolanda. Hi. Hello. How are ya? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. The honor is all mine. Tell our listeners a little bit about your background. You know, where you grew up, how that place was like, how Blackness was experienced there. Tell us more about how all that shaped who you are today. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I'm a native of Kalamazoo, Michigan. I was born and raised here in this community. And I have had the uh, pleasure and the opportunity to be able to travel quite extensively to lots of different places, but I've never lived anywhere else besides uh, Kalamazoo. I have tried to escape a few times, um, but it hasn't hasn't happened yet. And I know that, you know, that's all for a reason. And uh, I definitely appreciate the timing of that and, and being able to still be here in this community that, that raised me to be able to pour back in um, you know, even a portion of what has been pouring in, into me. So, uh, so I definitely appreciate that. But I, I was raised in a family that definitely has strong roots in faith and also uh, like culture and heritage and understanding of, you know, where we come from and who we are and having uh, pride in that. Um, and so for that reason, and also because there's not a tremendous amount of diversity uh, in Kalamazoo, I've always been very aware of my blackness but also very uh like i said proud of that and so i can remember you know just always being exposed to uh culture whether or not that was through like the music uh, that was being played in my house or uh trips to museums where we intentionally sought out exhibits um that dealt with like the black experience mm. you know film books whatever it was um, i feel very honored that i was able to be um, exposed to all of that at a very young age and how that is, you know, definitely uh, stayed with me and carried on um, into who I am today. Um, so yeah, I think all of those pieces that are connected to uh, where I'm from and how I, was, how I was brought up are just, you know, integral to uh, the person I am today. So That's awesome. And I can say as somebody who's followed your body of work for a while that you are very authentic about your roots and you're unapologetic about your, your background and you share that freely through your work. And I, as a supporter of your work, I really appreciate that because I felt like I've gotten to know a bit of your journey just vicariously mm -hmm. through your music. So thank you for that. Thank Myra, you. hey. Hey, girl, hey. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm well, thank you. You're welcome. Welcome to this platform. And tell our listeners a little bit about your background, where you grew up, the places you've journeyed, and how they've shaped your body of work today on top of how your Blackness has been identified or grounded or, you know, uh, been defined along the way. Mm. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure being here with you. Well, I grew up in Cameroon in a large family. Mostly our, our Christian family. Um, we're about 12 people in the house. So I grew up with a lot of noise and a lot of music and a lot of fun, lovely memories in Cameroon. I grew up specifically in Bamenda, one of the English speaking regions in Cameroon. And I started music 
because I was introduced to music because my mom had a, a lovely collection of songs, um, music and genres from all over the world. And so I, I was exposed to music really early. And I also found out that um, that was my way of expressing myself. Mm-hmm. Um, whether I was happy or unhappy or dealing with something, I would either write a song or listen to a song and that would make me feel better. With that, I started singing a lot at home and just continued doing that in school through college and um, finally I started doing um, um, backups for Cameroonian artists in uh, studios and from then onwards it was just a matter of writing my own songs and getting in the studio and so I music is a very very important part of my life now as concerns blackness mm. <laughs> it has never been a thing until I traveled out of Cameroon <laughs> right it was never a concept or like black like what is that you know because um i grew up in a majority black country with presidents being black and everybody in leadership being black so the idea of blackness was never a thing i thought about Mm. until i left um cameroon wow and so piggybacking off of something i heard from yolanda about awareness how we are made aware of our blackness right could you yolanda tell us a little bit more about how your awareness of your black identity has shaped or influenced your body of work or your walk in life in general yeah so i i can say without a doubt that it it informs like everything that I do. So mm-hmm. who I am, you know, how how I move in different spaces professionally, personally, what I do as an artist. So I didn't mention that I, I think you mentioned that I'm a, um, a singer, but also a songwriter. And then mm-hmm. I, I run an arts consulting company. Um, so I assist other artists with, you know, paid opportunities for them to be able to showcase their artistry, uh, artistic development, providing artistic opportunities. So linking artists to the opportunities, again, centering that those uh, creatives are compensated for their uh, artistry and, and mm-hmm. providing services. So, you know, all of those different pieces and facets of who I am, my blackness is the lens that I use in, you know, every aspect of my life. And I think that that, so number one, being aware of that, like I mentioned, because of, you know, the place that I grew up in and mm-hmm. being like one of few. Um, and then also because of the way that I was raised in my family um, and just always being made aware of, you know, this, like the pride in it and this is the history behind it and, you know, where you came from. So I think those two things coupled together is the reason why I'm I'm always, like it would be impossible for me to not have that lens uh, in, in every aspect of my life and all the the work and things that that I'm doing. And then also, I think, I, I mean, I just really feel strongly that it would be a disservice for me not to use that lens as well. And so not that it mm-hmm. would be like dominating or causing me not to be able to incorporate other perspectives, um, right. but that I'm, like you said, unapologetic in the, the fact that I am using that lens and that it does inform you know, everything that I'm doing. So I think also coupled with the fact that I'm a Black woman, um, Mm -hmm. so having that additional lens as well, again, just is informing 
every aspect of, of my life and, you know, the, the work that I do artistically, professionally, personally, whatever it is, all of, all of those pieces are being informed by that. And again, I feel really grateful for that. And I've been able to see lots of, uh, you know, manifestations from that, being able to use those opportunities in service to other people is mm -hmm. uh, a piece that's, that's super important for me as well. So I, I don't know that I would, you know, want to have it any other way. Wow. That is so powerful how, from what you're saying, I receive that you have taken what has been your awareness of Blackness and use that to be an instrument of change um, around you and of care and of intentionally bringing people into spaces where they can thrive together. Mm -hmm. And so Myra, I'm so curious to hear how you, your awareness of being Black has shaped the spaces that you work in and how you influence those that you work with. Because I think there's a special thing I find in commonality with you and Yolanda in that you've created platforms where Black artists can thrive. Like when she said that, I was like, ah! You know, so <laughs> I'm so excited to learn more about how your awareness or um, how you feel your Blackness is perceived has been used as a tool or instrument for change, for advocacy, and for creating spaces where Black artists can succeed. Mm -hmm. I'm going to come to the idea of Blackness from a different angle because uh, it only recently became a thing that I had to take seriously. Again, um, in Cameroon, I never had to bother about that. After I left Cameroon, I went to Germany, I studied there. And that was when I started noticing people um, viewing my blackness as something special, whether positive or negatively. Um, that's when I became aware of it. And that was when I had my first encounter with racism. Wow. For me, it was, it was a shock. It was, uh, it was not something I, I expected. It wasn't something I was prepared to, to, to experience. And with that came lack of opportunities for people like myself. Mm. And so that is when I, everything really became real to me. Fast forward to the U.S. I moved here about eight and a half years ago, and I still went through the same kind of issues. And it was me being Black or me having an accent being like a problem where people would doubt my credentials or my resume. They would wonder why, uh, ask me questions if I actually had experienced the things I said I had experienced or yeah. I had the qualifications that I, I said I had. And I also found that a common thing with most immigrants, especially African immigrants. And we, what I found was everybody, it didn't matter where you came from, you had this wall in front of you. First of all, um, you were identifying as African, Black, and everybody sees you as Black, you know? Mm. And so you have to be African and you have to be Black and you have to go through a crash course, like as fast as possible, master being Black <laughs> in the U.S. because nobody prepares you for anything. And so um, it, it's hard. It's really hard. And for me, I decided because of a lack of opportunities for myself and for other creator, uh, creatives like myself, I decided I would start um, the Motherland uh, Cultural Connection. And that's when, I, when you said that, Yolanda, I smiled because I'm just like, <laughs> we're practically doing the same thing. Yes, <laughs> yes, literally. In own, yes, in our own groups. Mm -hmm. And um, that gives me a lot of joy. For me, it's all about working together, collaborating together. I, the reason why I do music is one, to heal, to inspire and to motivate. And that falls straight within um, what I love to do. 
holding someone's hand and growing together and cross, crossing the bridges together, jumping over the walls together. Uh, that's my idea of, of music. That's how I also see my Blackness because my Blackness is my Africanness, if I can put it that way. I first of all define it by being an African and uh, we are all about Ubuntu. We're all about community. We're all about sharing the little we have. We're all about supporting each other. And so I look at it from that lens. First of all, African, because I only left Cameroon when in my <laughs> in my twenties. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be rough to try to you know erase that. That is first of all who I am. I'm an African, and then I'm black. I don't know if that makes any sense. And then I'm black, and then I'm all of these other things. In the U.S. now, okay, I am African. I am black. I am African American. I'm a mom who has sons who are black, who are African American. And so it just gets <laughs> yes. it just keeps piling on the one layers after the other. You know, I'm yes. a black woman. I'm all of these things. And I love the opportunity of being able to not go through all of this by myself, which is why I have this fabulous family that comes with me, you know. When it's my turn, we all love on me and we support me. When it's their turn, we do the same. And it just makes living out here and growing as an artist easier. Mm. Wow. Thank you. I think what I love about what both of you are doing is also creating avenues where people can listen and believe Black women. You are creating spaces that are breeding credibility for our community, because that it has become a thing where we are finding in civic circles that people are not listening to nor believing Black women. And, you know, would, could it be that perhaps this needs to start from within our community, that within different Black people groups, that we listen first and we listen to understand before we listen to respond or to argue or to debate. And then secondly, we believe one another. So if I were to go there in my next question, I'd want to know, Yolanda, for example, what are some things about your cultural experience or your cultural values that somebody from a different Black ethnic group, you would want them to listen to, to understand? and to believe about you. Yeah, I think even in our conversation right now, like, you know, the differences in our experiences and like the way that we experience or relate to Blackness, like mm. even this conversation, um, I think is, would be like the first step for me in terms of what I would want folks to understand is that all, we're not a monolith. So, right. you know, all, <laughs> yes. all the different, you know, people groups from the diaspora, like we all, we're not a monolith. So all the experiences are different. And then as you add on, like you said, all of the layers. So, you know, we come from all these different places, women, men, you know, youth, all of those layers add on to what our uh, experiences are and mm. how they're so different. And so I think, again, that that is the the origin, that's the starting place that we, it's, it's just so important for us to, to get that and understand that internally first. Mm. Um, and so then after that point, then I think like you mentioned, being able to now listen with that understanding, then in turn, listen from a place of, you know, like intentional listening and not, you know, 
in a in a way to be you know judgmental or that we're even necessarily comparing what our different experiences are but just to like intentionally be listening to what the experiences are but you know of course because of history and just you know systematic racism and oppression and all of these things that have happened that has unfortunately harmed us and put us in a place where even getting to the listening is just you know it's it's not something that we're necessarily prone to do and so mm -hmm. I, I just really think that that's the the starting point for it um and then after that like just being available to like be in community and sit in the discomfort and mm -hmm. tension like we we can't run away from that we have to be willing to sit in that and figure out you know what what are the the next steps uh going to be and then i was listening to someone the other day that was saying that like folks from the diaspora are seem to be like the only group that we just expect like there needs to be one agenda for mm -hmm. the entire community that comes from you know all of these different walks of life and experiences like i mentioned but there needs to be one agenda that everyone you know needs to abide by or scribe to and so i i think that that also you know there's that's problematic as well yes. to just think that that automatically would be something that we you know would be easy to do or that we even should do necessarily right so I right think sitting in even that tension because i'm sure there is other folks you know who are a part of our community who think there should be one agenda and so again just being in a place that we can be okay with feeling the tension sitting in the discomfort having the hard conversations listening all of those are the pieces that i think are just so so mm. very very important and, and so I, I probably would just end this by saying that i i just really think that you know my experience as a black woman who is like i'm just very aware of like the history and culture of my people like i mm -hmm. you know ascribe to pan-africanism i believe in folks from the diaspora understanding one another so i'm all about that line of communication and just really knowing that again all the experiences are so different and so that's yes. going to require that we approach it in a way that you know is is appropriate because of that fact so yeah and not only are they different which i like that you highlighted they're also valid yeah. What is your experience is your truth and, mm -hmm. and just as valid as mine or Myra's or the next yeah. person who may have a different identity of blackness, right? And so how can we all exist? Because like you said, mm -hmm. we the whole one agenda thing is yeah. is almost erasing the diversity. Yeah. And we don't want to lose that, but we don't, we also want to be harmonious when we do things that benefit our community at large, right? Mm -hmm. So Myra, how would you say you extend your body of work to people of different Black ethnicities or how has it been received thus far? Is it that most of your fans are African? Are you, ex do you have a fan base outside of the African diaspora? How have you been sharing your work in the Black community or how has your work been received? So, well, I do have, of course, most of my followers or, or fans would be Africans mm. um, because before I came out here, I was already making music back in Cameroon and so sure. I have a, a base there. But I find that my, my, um, my work is mostly received by people who, uh, who love world music, Afro soul, Afro beat, 
and it's only just becoming a thing in our African uh, Afrobeat, especially. It's, it's really becoming uh, huge in the African American community mm. because of the explosion that just happened. And so that's where I find it hardest to actually break in because I feel it's just different, a different culture when it comes to music, like what people expect in music. It, it, vocals are extremely important. That's just an example. Vocals are extremely important in music that is consumed in our African-American uh, community. For us, it's like different, you know, you know what I mean? It's like different. It's so I still have to find a way to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm still, I still have to find a way to do that. That's something that we, we definitely need to do better. And the way we do it is one by just allowing the space to exist and, and, and uh, validate ev- each and every one of us. You know, like we co- yes, we come from different experiences, but we all have something very important to, to, to offer. Mm-hmm. And by the way, we are the same people, you know, there are differences because over the years we've had differences uh, 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 arise from from our culture, from from the, just merely being in the U.S. For example, we've gone through uh, colonization and its own woes and the way we see things versus here with systematic racism and everything else. Um, but despite all of those things, I think the way we come together is by having honest conversations like what we're having now. You know. Yes. Um, listening to each other and listening, not just uh, listening, but seeing, finding the, the differences, you know, finding the differences, finding the, the commonalities, finding places, naming, deliberately naming places where we can bond, you know, and start having more community events together, for example, you know, um, collaborating together. Mm. That's how, that's how, that's the only way we are able to break through and across um, our different groups, you know, Um, collaboration is definitely very, very, very important. Um, But I also think just uh, allowing ourselves to heal, Mm -hmm. the time to see and heal, because one thing that I have noticed is there is a little animosity when it comes to, um, I have experienced that I think a, a couple other people that I know, and I've had this conversation with, they've experienced that too. Um, there's a little unease when it comes to um, Africans and African-Americans. And you, we will usually hear these things where people say uh, Africans uh, tend to be like arrogant and proud. And then on the other side, uh, um, um, African-Americans are hard to reach and stuff like that. And these, mm. these are the stories that get propagated in the different groups, you know. Sure. And as long as we continue propagating them and actually not meeting and talking and sitting together and breaking bread and, and I mean, even just to start, maybe we, we, let's not even talk about the serious thing, you know. Let's just have a, a little thing, social, socially distanced thing. <laughs> food, you bring your food, I bring my food, and we talk about um, how we grew up. We talk about our grandparents and stuff like that. And yeah. That is the way you start finding commonality without bringing in the big things. And when you get comfortable, then you start talking. And by the time you start talking, you're already so comfortable and you're already viewing the other person as a, as a complete human being with a lot to offer, yes. um, with, with a lot to bring to the table. So when you start talking serious things, it's easier. So yes. I think we definitely need to be doing more collaborations deliberately deliberately doing more collaborations uh together and um just having a lot of the 
the the the the honest conversations too like slavery mm. what did slavery do to you like just mm. learning because a lot of the times i feel like we sort of blame each other when we don't really know uh what is happening or what may be the reasons why we we appear ignorant of each other's uh, uh stories and 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 uh history you know mm. and those would be the opportunities to just go through them tell right. me how you grew up you know what did you learn in school right and we do the same that would inform and shape our our i don't know our ubuntu our togetherness yes you know yeah Wow. I think what I have um, appreciated the most about what I've heard, number one is when Yolanda said we have to be comfortable in sitting in the tension, right? Mm -hmm. And then within the tension or in the tension, Myra mentioned, we have to champion one another. We have mm -hmm. to cheer each other on and appreciate what we each bring to the space. While different, understand that difference is uniqueness it's diversity it's how we are rich as a culture as a people and then how we then take all of that to extend healing to one another because we all come from journeys that were complicated by various various complicated systems of being oppressed and discriminated whether it be post-colonial or post-enslavement um, it comes with its own trauma it comes with its own um, hardship and and tough rough history but then it also appears and manifests in the present and we have we are living testament to that but what i really appreciated and this is the note on which i want us to end our conversation is to assume positive intent of one another and to assume each other to have integrity right and so once you assume that there is then foundation for what Myra is suggesting to start a conversation, perhaps by breaking bread and listening to each other's stories and in listening, hearing whether you have a similar story and somewhere to share. That way you can build a foundation on which to um, discuss more difficult topics because the tension is there and it's undeniable. That's why this platform even exists. That's why I had this vision because of feeling like so many of us toggle between these spaces where we don't fully feel like we are enough or accepted. Yet the system in which we exist does not discriminate against us any differently. We are all in the same pot. And so to close out, if you ladies would please share with our listeners any way in which we can support you so that we can extend this platform to uh, bring about more relationships and build more bridges in our community. Yolanda, go ahead and let us know projects you're working on, ways we can keep in touch with you or learn more about you um, as we close out. Yeah, for sure. So I um, mentioned uh, the company Soul Artistry LLC um, that I uh, have had the privilege of running. And so I think the um, importance of the company has just been elevated over the last seven months um, because of the fact that we've seen a lot of, uh, you know, working artists whose livelihood, um, you know, pretty much has been stripped from them if they um, rely heavily on um, performances in front of audiences or, you know, showcasing their visual uh, artwork in front of uh, audiences or, you know, in museum spaces. Um, and that pretty much has been non-existent um, for quite some time. And so being able to again, continue to provide opportunities that are compensated 
um, mm -hmm. for creatives is at the center of the work that I do um, through Soul Artistry. So YLSoulArtistry.com is the website. Um, and there's opportunities there to see uh, visual and performing artists and be connected to them and support their work. Um, and then in, in terms of things that are upcoming, um, just looking at, you know, brainstorming and dreaming and reimagining different ways to um, do art and, you know, mm -hmm. the age of COVID and not being able to, you know, be on a stage with someone right there in front of you and have that, you know, exchange uh, with people. So I, you know, have been feeling that personally with my own um, artistry. I've been, you know, blessed to be able to do a few virtual things, but of course it's just not the same uh, as being in person and having that uh, that exchange of energy. So uh, yeah, just looking to um, brainstorm ways to be able to create those opportunities um, for artists uh, because that outlet is so important. Um, and I'm, you know, understanding that in a completely different way um, over these last seven months. Um, and then outside of the website, uh, Soul Artistry LLC on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter um, to stay connected. And then my uh, personal um, handles YL Soul Artistry and you can check out all the stuff that I'm doing with my uh, personal artistry and the work I'm doing in the community and you know uh, family and all of that <laughs> um, so yeah uh, grateful again for uh, this opportunity uh, and look forward to us collaborating absolutely wonderful and Myra tell us more about how we can support you any projects you have going and ways to reach you in the internet lovely <laughs> <laughs> um, so <laughs> we have, you can support us through um, our uh, umbrella company, Motherland Cultural Connections. You can, you know, order a cooking experience and discover different parts of Africa with your friends and families uh, and our amazing cooks and singers. Um, you can also um, join us on virtual uh, concerts. We do that uh, once a month. You can definitely reach out um, on social media as well, on Facebook, uh, Motherland House Concerts, and um, on Facebook still, Motherland Cooking Experience. Uh, we, we have a lot of our artists have been working really hard, uh, coming up, writing songs and releasing some of them as well. So um, it would be lovely if you could check out on our pages and um, yeah just show them some love and for my personal <laughs> personal uh, um, upcoming events uh, I have a single coming out on the uh, 30th of October that is in 10 days and so definitely go um, if you are subscribed on Spotify or iTunes you can pre-save or pre-order the song right now um, pretty much just stay in touch with us uh, for me personally at Myra Mimo on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Wonderful. Thank you, ladies, so much. You have really blessed this space. I hope that this is the beginning of a beautiful relationship or musical um, collaborative um, effort. And thank you so much for being here and sharing of yourselves um, with our listeners. All right. That is it from Pulsing Black Podcast today. I am your host, Christine Mwangi. Thank you for tuning in and see you next time.